Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello. This particular episode of Word in Your Ear is supported by NordVPN. And I have to ask at this stage, Dave, what is VPN? Explain that v- to me. VPN stands for, as any fool know, Mark, <laughs> virtual private network. Uh, virtual private network, which means anybody minded to snoop on you uh, can't see your IP address or where in the world you are. So, you know, there's, there are many good reasons for investing yeah. in, in NordVPN, most of them to do with just keeping your data safe from those with malign intent, either at home or abroad, and you might say never more than now. Yeah, it's particularly useful if you're in the habit of, uh, of going online in spaces where you're in on in public Wi-Fi, for instance. Yeah. Let's say, just imagine, Mark, just imagine you're a John Lennon impersonator <laughs> online in an internet cafe in, oh, say, what, the British Virgin let's, Islands? Let's say somewhere in the Caribbean. Do we, Caribbean. do we know someone like this? I think we do. So, so let's say you were doing that, but it could happen. So that's the time, for instance, where you need to be extra careful of your security. And at the same time, you've got the additional reassurance, you know, if you're if you're online anywhere in the world, of knowing your traffic is encrypt, encrypted. So, Mark, if you're if you're actually watching old clips of Pete Brown's battered ornaments, for instance, you, have you got me can, under surveillance? This is nobody, extraordinary. Nobody need know at all. So, so that's uh, the serious reasons. Those are serious reasons for uh, for looking into NordVPN. Uh, but there's also fun stuff, Mark. And you want to know about the fun I stuff, do. don't you? I do. We okay. all do. Come on. The, one of the things about it is it allows you to choose to access the internet from one of, I think, more than 50 different countries. So, you, you know, do I feel like, you know, going online from Vietnam or the Netherlands today, from the United States or from Australia? Uh, this means also... If you, and you probably do this, take your laptop on holiday over overseas with you, you'll still be able to access UK news and, and UK programming without any difficulty. And furthermore... Well, you can watch what they're watching out there too. You could do that. Because if you're one of those people like me who spent 
spend hours through uh, scrolling through kind of streaming services and still thinking there's nothing you want to watch. You will, like me, take delight, Mark, in finding out what they like to watch in Japan or Mexico and watching it I love too. this stuff. So sometimes, sometimes it's the same stuff as we watch over here, because I can tell you that, that uh, Netflix viewers in Turkey can watch the IT crowd, which just, just makes me laugh just that, to think about seems it. Extra- you think they'd be lost in translation, but no, <laughs> evidently not. And also, the most popular comedy in South Korea at the moment is, of course, I shouldn't be surprised in this at all, the Seth Rogen film The Interview, which is all about North Korea, and which caused, you know, uh, great umbrage being taken on yeah. in that quarter. But sometimes it's different, and that's because all films are supposed to be region-restricted for reasons that, reasons that make a lot of sense to the companies that control them, but probably don't make a lot of sense to us. So with NordVPN, Mark, you can shake off these shackles. And it's thanks to this. I went looking. I went looking. This is just, for instance, on Netflix Sweden. And and I I passed quickly past the section labelled Nordic comedies because, you know, forgive me, that just seems like a contradiction. (laughs) But what I found, this is what I found on Netflix Sweden. I found a whole cache of glorious old British black and white films. This is a sort of talking pictures type thing. Yes, absolutely. So what sort of things? Here I found, uh, oh, Mark, you've got to remember and love this film, Two Way Stretch. Oh, Two Way Stretch? The Peter Jelly Knight. It's the... (laughs) Lenny the Dip, it's the three prisoners <laughs> who, who break out of jail, don't they, And, and uh, on, on a heist and then break back into jail so they have the perfect alibi. It's what a Peter, Peter Sellers and Wilfred Hyde-White. Uh, absolutely. Wilfred Hyde-White playing Soapy Stevens. That's right. It's <laughs> absolutely glorious thing. Lionel got... Jeffries is the chief oh, prison officer, God, Sour yes. Kraut. You remember him? <laughs> God, I love that I film. Know, it's a masterpiece. And uh, there's other things which I, well, I haven't watched yet, but I, I know the family way is on there. Yeah, you know, Ooh, this is. Be still my beating heart. Was it Hayley, Hayley Mills? Mills? Hayley yeah, Mills, yeah, Hayley Mills. Wil- Wilfred Pickles? And music by, by McCartney. By Paul When McCartney. still a member of the Beatles. I can't remember when it came out in the late 60s. The yeah, mid 60s, I think. Yeah. And also, gloriously, a film that everybody should watch every week. Um, is is went the day well? Um, you know, which is the oh yeah, kind of propaganda film. But, but about they, paratroopers, German paratroopers take a village, don't they? Take a, uh, an English village, uh, English village. That's right, yeah. And uh, and yet you see the glorious sight of uh, Thora Heard with a machine gun. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all kinds of things like that. You know, Brighton Rock. You know, I, I I just thought to myself, I can't believe. Death at Broadcasting House is available on Netflix and Netflix God, Sweden. That's obscure, but I can't it? get it. In the you can't get it here. That's right. That's right yeah. <laughs> so you know, it's early days. You know, they, but already I'm uh, you know, I'm quite taken with the riches I've found. So uh, there'll be more next week. Uh, I'll be talking about this more next week. Meanwhile, you can take advantage of a deal where you can try NordVPN by going to nordvpn.com/slash/youreer. Your ear, that's right, or just use the code the code your ear to get a huge discount off your uh, NordVPN plan, 
and one additional month for free and also a bonus gift. I don't know what it is, but it's a bonus gift. So it's risk-free. Probably worth having. Because there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. And full details, fuller details, are in the show notes below. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. In a departure from normal form, I thought we'd start with any of the business. So we're joined by Alex Gold, who's once again in Miami, Florida, uh, in, in, on a turning ocean liner in, in port at the moment. Is that right, Alex? We're in port. I got woken up at quarter past five. When, when, it, um, when the ship turns, it judders, and uh, the juddering woke me up this morning at 5.15am, which was fine because I had to be up to it, record it's it. It's so hard to feel... It's so hard to feel sympathathetic, Davis, if somebody on an ocean liner. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm having a terrible time. Hashtag first world problems. Yeah, I was woken at, by juddering at quarter past five. Well, and look, you, you probably want something to think about early in the morning. And so here is the topic that, that has been raging on the internet for the last couple of days, ever since I read in uh, in a proof of Nick Durden's book. Um, what's the book called, Mark? I've forgotten. It's called Exit Stage Left. Yeah, Exit we both Stage got a copy of it. It's very good. We're going to talk to him soon. Actually. It's very, very good. It's, it's about, about the, the afterlife of pop stars. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. And he just, I, my, my, I alighted on this line, which really struck me. He said that Dave Balfe had signed Blur because three of them are good looking. <laughs> <laughs> no mention of the fourth, you know. It's so cruel, but it's true. You know, this is real you life. You know who you are. I know, I know. <laughs> and it, it got me wondering, you know, about a whole, that whole notion of good looks in bands and how many good-looking members you can have in a band. And, uh, and I also, this morning, I just happened to be watching an old episode of Seinfeld where, um, where um, Jerry says, what percentage of people are good looking? And Elaine says, what, 25%? He says, are you kidding? It's more like 6% as if he's worked it out. You know? Yeah, yeah, I, I know. Think, I think, that, I think that's, that's the argument, really. You know what I mean? Because, you know, what, which bands have all members good looking? And, you know, people nominate all kinds of people. Like, you, know, well, you know, a lot of people talk about Blondie. Mark, you know, where, I mean, are Blondie all good, all good no, looking? No, no, see, I, I, it's very difficult to talk about this because it's subjective and also it becomes quite personal. But, yeah. you know, I, I think my definition of this is that you're talking about people who are independently handsome or gorgeous or whatever yeah. outside yeah, yeah. of the context of the group. Now, to take a really obvious example, you know, Ringo Starr looks fantastic on the cover of Rubber Soul. There's no way around that. But Ringo Starr outside the context of the Beatles would not be someone who would turn heads when walking down Regent Street. You just, whereas yeah. the other three would, you know. And I think Ringo, Star is, Ringo Starr is not someone you'd want to see in their underwear on the cover of GQ. <laughs> no, right. I, I mean, you, that, could, you could argue the that, that the Hamburg Beatles were five exceptionally fabulous looking people, but the Beatles themselves possibly less so. I mean, it's to do with, it's to do with your, your gorgeousness being... The fact, and I think this is true of Blondie, is the fact that they were part of a group called Blondie who had a kind of group image, and that kind of that made them seem more fabulous. There's a but halo, he, isn't there? there? Yeah, there is. Once you've decided a group is kind of glamorous, you overlook the shortcomings of individual members. You see, I'd go further. I'd go back with the Beatles. 
I don't think John Lennon is is all that startling looking at all. John Lennon wouldn't have been stopped by a model agent in the street in London and said, you know, here's my card. Paul McCartney would have done. Yes, you know he would I mean? have been. George Harrison possibly might yeah, have done. John Lennon, not at all. But, you know, within, within there's a halo effect of a group like the Beatles. You know, the classic case of this, we were talking about this yesterday, the birds. The birds, because the birds, it's the, it's the rhythm section. It's Michael <laughs> Clark and... And, uh, and Chris uh, Hillman. And Hillman, who are the really fabulous-looking members of that group. The other three are actually slightly kind of ginky, particularly Ro- Roger McGuinn is weird-looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely yeah. strange-looking. He kind of made an issue of it, you know, with the little square specs and the, you know, the kind of big Dickensian face he had. You know, where, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the Beach Boys were at the back, you know, <laughs> playing drums and bass, you know. Go on, Alex. So, you were saying the other day, weren't you, though, there's a difference between rock star handsome and a film star handsome. And they're based on different properties, aren't they? So film star handsome, I think, is all about symmetry and, you know, conventional attractiveness, but kind of ramped up to 11. And and rock star handsome is all about, it's all about a quirk and sort of amplifying that quirk to make it a virtue. I think Um, it is. I I think, you know, very often the very good looking rock stars are actually a bit strange. They're a bit strange and they're a bit out of proportion. It's the classic thing about Mick Jagger and Debbie Harry. Springsteen. Their heads seem to be too big. And Springsteen, yes. they're slightly, they're quite small and, and they're kind of, they're strangely put together, but they have an <laughs> immense charisma. Immense charisma, yeah. which, is, which is also as a result of their, of their success. You know, I think it's very difficult to be really handsome member of a group who've been around for, for ages and haven't done very well. Because I think success is what makes people it is. really attractive, you know. If you've been kind of kicking around forever, you sort of can't be, really. You're yeah, not allowed yeah. to think, be. Well, su- success and relativity, because, I mean, if you imagine like the Sto- Rolling Stones is like a like a cheese board, for example, you know, like Keith Richards is a is kind of a bit of a dodgy Stilton and Charlie <laughs> Watch is a, nut, is a nutty Gouda. <laughs> on their own, they're just sort of like blocks of cheese, but all together, uh, they look like you know quite a nice thing to to spend some time ingesting. Yeah. Um, so we've had some, have, we, like, the, the, you know. Yeah, we've we've had some suggestions from uh, from people out there. John McKee was not the only one to say the Strokes. The Strokes is a very good. Also, some of oh. the Strokes are very glamorous. There's a kind of gangster thing about them. Their names too: Fabrizio Moretti. Nick Valencia, Julian Casablanca. There's something kind of fabulous about the whole concept. Don't they also, Alex? Now, you're our Strokes correspondent. I'm by no means an expert on the Strokes. Do they not all come from kind of quite wealthy, sophisticated Manhattan backgrounds? And I think one of their fathers ran a model agency. Julian uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. At least and three it, of them went to a prosh school in Switzerland. And okay. Yeah, they did. And, and if they, <laughs> this is terrible reflection on the way the world is, if they ran model agencies very successfully, they probably married models. There, um, there's, there's, there's probably been a certain amount of, of breeding involved in this in this process, you know, over a period of time. Not that there's anything wrong with that at all, because actually. The Orton Cobbler, whoever the Orton Cobbler is, a mystery correspondent, suggests somebody that we didn't think about ourselves, uh, but, but I think it's worthy of consideration, which is the small faces. The small oh. faces were good looking. Yeah, I, mean, I think they, all four of them were. Actually. They were. Yeah, they were. 
You know, I'm uh, usually window so, of they, time, and they look even the more most good-looking band on the planet. I think, yeah, and they look so gorgeous together. You know, their symmetry is fantastic because it's a combination. They were good-looking, and they had a look, yeah. didn't they? You know, it was yeah. the combination of the two together. If you looked at them individually, they were good-looking, but they really had a look. Who, and if you look at actually, if you want to see the acme, we've often mentioned this, the acme of pop star looks. Go on YouTube after you've watched this and look up Small Faces and P.P. Arnold doing uh, Tin Soldier. Oh, it's ridiculous. Oh, there's five most gorgeous human beings on God's earth. Absolutely. Oh, it's absurd. Yeah. Yeah. It is. I tell you another I thought of that I think Stuart Penny mentioned, which I'd not thought of actually. If you, they are a band. I mean, they did play instrument stuff. The Walker Brothers. You look at the Walkers. My lord, do you think they count? I can see you frowning, Dave. I, I, I'm only going to frown because I think they've also listen. Scott Walker, fabulously handsome. John Walker, John Walker, fabulously handsome. Gary Leeds, not fabulously handsome. Gary Leeds, oh, a I, drummer. I, I differ. Yeah. Do you think? Yeah. yeah, I thought they were all three of them stunning. Oh, right. Okay, all right. You're more forgiving than and I am. various others. There's the, um, there's the Stone Roses. Somebody mentioned Stone Roses. I've always thought the early Stone Roses were phenomenal looking. Absolutely. The days when Manny was still yeah. outrageous looking. And uh, they're a possibility. Damien oh, Johnston, Damien Johnston, Alex, suggests yeah. Ride. Uh, I, ooh, I don't know enough about Ride, really. I know Andy Bell, of course. Um, I don't think Andy Bell was ever really that. I think Andy Bell was indie good looking. I don't think he was. Oh, is indie good looking? Indie different? Indie that good just looking. means thin, does it? Thin with interesting <laughs> hair. Yeah, it's th- thin, yeah, thin with mournful. interesting hair, sort of slightly gangly, you know, um, slightly distorted features, I suppose. Not conventionally underpant handsome, but. Um, all right, you know, underpants. Gu- well, gu- guitar handsome. Paul H mentions the Bangles, uh, and I would, I, I, I think Susanna Hoffs is still absolutely drop the dead gorgeous. Actually, um, right, I'd, right. I'd go for the Bangles. Bangles sure. is a good one. Suede. Yeah. Somebody mentioned suede. Suede. Uh, suede. That's a possibility. <laughs> uh, again, very indie. It's about skinniness, isn't it? And uh, blousy more, shirts. More than one person has mentioned uh, mentioned Japan. David well, Sylvian. I, again, one doesn't want to get personal, but there was a member of Japan who always stood at the back in the pictures with a very frizzy hair and uh, oh, yes. probably a drum. No, it wasn't a drummer. That was, that was uh, David Sylvian's brother, wasn't it? I don't think he uh, fits the bill, but I may be wrong. They did look rather fabulous. It's true. <laughs> Being unkind here. Tracy says, in excess. And I had a look at in excess this morning. They're all very acceptably, you know, presentable young men. But Michael Hutchins is is... Yeah, is weirdly good looking. Different, different. Although, although Michael Hutchins, not I never met him, but weirdly photogenic, really photogenic. But uh, whether whether that means the same thing as, as handsome, I'm not quite clear. You know, it's a, and again, you go back to your film star thing. Film stars, they're photographed moving, aren't they? And so, huge part of of their appeal to us. It's just how they move. Yeah. How they how they do simple things. And how they speak as well. Yeah. 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 Watching, you know, no, where I I think could, go on. My going to say Michael Hutchins, I think a lot of that's to do with just pure animal magnetism and sex appeal, isn't it? Which are, which are, you know, both sexes can, can immediately appreciate. And he's like like Jim Morrison, he's got something absolutely supernatural 
John Garrettly uh, suggests the monkeys, but the monkeys were kind of put together to be on telly, weren't they? So they were. Uh, but the first Mike Nesmith, was, would he ever have got stopped in the street by? I don't, no, I don't Dolan's, think. So. I don't I think. Don't think. Was, was, oh, was Mickey Dolan's was a child star, wasn't he? Yeah, no, was. Mickey Dolan's was very pretty. Yeah, he was. Uh, and uh, Dave Jones was as well, you know. Um, but I don't think. You know, because that's the thing about a band. They are, they should be, ideally, you know, this may be an ancient romantic notion that you should be a load of blokes who met each other when they were teenagers or whatever and then just ended up being yoked together through eternity. And so, you know, when you look at them, can you, can you, can you honestly say that they're all good-looking or is it just together they make a kind of picture? That's, that, that's the challenge, really. Um so, Sarah Kay says the police. I think she's right. I'm sorry. No, fair. I fair. think the police were unbelievable. Obviously, Sting phenomenal, but the, the other two are really fabulous looking in the early days. Just, I'm going to ask you a challenging. A I'm going to ask you a challenging question. Re the police, Mark Allen. Cool. Take away the blondness. Are they that startling? Uh, well, that was a lot of it, wasn't it? They were in an. It ad, was a huge they? amount so, of it. So it, it did. It did make them look like three versions of the same thing. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. See, that's it. They were like a kind of, it was like, like the Beatles with eight arms, uh, eight arms they, to hold you and all that. They're the hydra headed, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. a really good bite. So the Rolling Stones, the same thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. They're, they're the just, classic line of the Rolling Stones, five versions, one person. Exactly. The, yeah. the Ramones, four versions of one person. Yeah. Can't see oh, as well, actually. At the straight five versions of one person. Japan, are we probably. on, are no, we, we're on are to something here? We are. That's true. We're on to something here. This yeah, is yeah. groups, isn't it? It, is. it doesn't. It doesn't apply with uh, with individuals. Oh well, we're not we're not talking about individuals here at all. So there's um, John McKay also suggests maybe Joy Division before Hooky filled out, which is not very kind. But uh, <laughs> were Joy Division ever ever good looking? Would you have ever thought in that way? Again, it's just a look, isn't it? It's a different thing. They had a kind of, uh, they had a signature about them, didn't they? they had an aesthetic. But I don't think you could individually say that there was anyone particularly so. Ian Curtis was pretty amazing looking, actually, but I don't know. I, I think we'll discount that one. I think I think the, 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 the acid test is if Bernard Sumner worked in a bank, he, he, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't think he was drop dead gorgeous. But if he was, yeah, he wouldn't, would he have been molested at the Christmas party? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't think I'm going to go to his window. Because <laughs> <laughs> John, Jonathan Richmond is reminded, we always talk about Jonathan Richmond. Uh, Jonathan Richmond, not Richmond, what am I talking yeah. about? 
who wrote a song called The New Teller. Do you remember that? Very early yes. on. I'm in love with the new teller. I'm gonna <laughs> I've got to go listen to that again. And yeah. that was all about it's a very old world idea. I've got I'm gonna get in the queue to to have my check cashed by the new teller. It's gotta be somebody, somebody I find attractive. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway, further nominations. We wanna hear them. The word podcast, prime cuts of popular culture served fresh each week. So uh, another week, another court case involving my learned friends, no doubt, doing very well out of, um, you know, pop stars being being sued over allegedly uh, plagiarising somebody's song. In this case, it was Ed Sheeran, wasn't it? It's a, it's a, so, people are always pursuing the people who made the most money because that's, that's where the pot of gold is. You see, this, this is one of the things I was going to say about it, you know. Where there's a hit, there's a writ. Yeah. They don't. Nobody goes after anybody who hasn't got a hit, you know, because there's no point at all. No because, point. There's no cash. Because think about this, Mark. Uh, you know, what were we saying the other week? What was that? Uh, that extraordinary stat about how many tunes are uploaded to Spotify? Oh, was it sixty thousand a day? Was it something? Six- like that? I think it's every day, 60,000 tunes. 60,000 tunes are uploaded to Spotify every day, and a large number of those are pop pop songs, right? So they're they're written, you know, using the same three chords and, and, you know, quite similar instrumentation, and they're kind of... You know, the, the lyrical content is similarly, you know, it, 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 it's uniform, isn't it? In, yeah, many, yeah. in many sense. So it's impossible that they're not all constantly borrowing things from each other. It, it doesn't make any sense at all to, to suggest that, that it's exceptional. You know, it's all it's all just made in the same way, isn't it? You know, it completely and, and, and it's absolutely impossible, really, to find any series of a short sequence of chords that hasn't been used before. And if you're going to use that, you're likely to be influenced by the melody that came with it. You know, it's just you can't avoid it, can you? I don't think so. I'll I, give you an I, example. I, just, I was, I was, I, 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 someone had told me the other day that I should listen to Nat King Cole's "Answer Me, My Love." All right, yeah, that yeah. came oh, out yeah. in 1953. When McCartney yes. wrote "Yesterday," he always said, "I kind of always felt I must have heard this song before." And I, you know, I, I, I asked around, and maybe it was something that my father used to play. Who loved those old ballads, you know. And uh, he eventually decided that he hadn't, and it was original, and, and everyone said, don't worry, go with it. But if you listen to Answer Me, My Love, which I did this morning, actually, uh, you know, you were mine yesterday. I believe that love was here to stay. Won't yes. you tell me where I've gone astray? And of just the, 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 those are the lyrics. The actual lilt of it, the, the, the emphasis on the words, the syncopation of it is really uncanny. We just, this was written in 1953, 12 years before, uh, before yesterday came out. So there, there's a really good example. It's quite possible that, you know, that uh, you know, Lady Madonna, Lady Madonna is, is, is just bad penny blues. Bad penny blues. Yeah. I mean, just, it just sort of is, really. And uh, but it's but it's made into something else, isn't it? Because the 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 answer me the answer me yesterday thing is quite interesting. Because I knew both of those records, and yeah. until you said that just now, I had never connected the two whatsoever. Well, someone just mentioned to me, and I thought I'll listen. It's not kind of the same tune or anything like that, but there's just it has the same sensibility. Clearly, there are some very very similar words, but it has yeah. the same sensibility, you know. And you yeah. think, well, you there's an echo here. 
Well, the, the funny thing is that, you know, the, the week that Ed Sheeran's going to court to, to defend his reputation against whoever wants wants a third of the publishing for, for some huge hit record, because that's that's what these things are always all about, isn't it? I happen to watch, there's a series, uh, is it on Disney Plus, I think, it, or is it on Apple? No, it's on Apple, called um, Watch That Sound with Mark Ronson. No, Mark Ronson, yeah, yeah. And he, he'd done a series of films which are all about various different aspects of, of a contemporary record making or I suppose yeah. po- post hip hop record making. It's very interesting in that sense, you know, so he does, there's a program about altitude, you know, there's a program about sampling. There's a film about uh, the one I was watching is about drum machines. And we we're only talking about this the other week when we were talking about Mike Campbell, how, yeah, he, wrote, yeah. how he wrote uh, boys of summer because you know, they used to spend a lot of time at Leon Russell's house, and this guy called Roger Lynn kept turning up at Leon Russell's house, and he was inventing the drum machine. Anyway, Mark Ronson interviews Roger Lynn, who's a very good interviewee. He's a really, really nice guy, actually. comes over very well. And he talked about uh, his his breakthrough drum machine, which was the one where, where they first decided, I think it was on the advice of, on, of Steve Vaccaro, the, the drummer. He said, you, you, what you should do is sample real drums, you know, rather than just trying to try and synthesize that sound. Actually sample them and and then make that part of your uh, your oh, armory. He uses his friend, is it Art Wood? He uses a particular <laughs> snare sound, doesn't he? He's got a mate, you know, he's a drummer. So he says, all right, I'm going to set up. Set up your drum kit. Points a microphone at him. He says, right, now hit the snare. And he just goes, Doof. He goes, right, that's fine. <laughs> that was it. And so that, that exact sound appears on hundreds sound, of records. Yeah. That scores of yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. enormous hit records, you yeah. know, because, and, and they play a load of them. And it's just absolutely astonishing, you know. So, so you know, he's kind of, Roger Lynn is making a virtue out of the out of the thing that Ed Sheeran's getting sued over, you know, because because one is musical and one is mechanical. Yeah, and it's just an interesting contrast, you know, and it's it's really worth watching this Mark Ronson thing because they're dealing with the same thing all the time, which is that they they like the idea that all these things shortcut musicianship. Yeah, you know the the you know sampling is well. I don't need to play anything. I can just I can spot breaks on things and I can do interesting things with them. You know, or auto tune all those. I don't need to sing in tune because I can I can adjust that. And yet, and yet, what they're always having to do is to then make it more human. So, <laughs> with every piece of technology, they they turn it on and they, and they get turned on by the efficiency of it. And then they just have to mess with it somehow. They have to. They have to then put it through another me- me- mechanical device, don't they, to make it seem more random because it can't be too perfect, isn't that yeah, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and it's really, it's really interesting to see. You know, it's a whole process of, uh, you know, how music is made. And as I say, in that kind of, uh, in that post hip hop, in the post hip hop world that we we live in today yeah it's a it's very very much worth seeing it and um and and particularly to watch the interview with roger lynn who's as i say very engaging and if ever there was a man who changed pop music it's roger lynn the word podcast fix yourself a drink and it's like being in the pub oh and now we go over to brooklyn for our uh patreon birthday boy john collins hello john hello david how are you 
We we traditionally on the on the occasion of uh, uh, people's birthdays ask them if there's anything they'd like to put put on the flagpole or a question they'd like to ask or something to put on the agenda. Over to you, John. I do have something to put to us, haven't you? Come on, far away. I do. Do I do? Well, um, I was I was speaking to good friends of mine down in Philly, Kevin Carley, about get back because. Um, I was supposed to watch it Thanksgiving. I was actually at, at, at this uncle's funeral in, in Liverpool. But but subsequently, I've watched it four times. I've watched the whole thing four times over. I think it's one of the great musical historical documents. It is. It's astonishing. I remember seeing it back in, like in the 70s or 80s, you know, when it was in its original incarnation, thinking... You know, it's a bit of a sort of miserable downer film and, and, and it looked terrible, you know. And now I think, now I think it, it, it's a fabulous kind of, you know, legacy for their whole career, really. You know, they, they do all the pre-Beatles stuff. They do a lot, you know, love me, do them, please, please me. But it's, it's fantastic seeing them bust the way through old Beatles numbers and all that sort of stuff. So I, I mean, we could talk about, you know, get back, I'm sure, for hours. But I, What's I your wanna, question? Well, the question is, if you had the opportunity to be a fly on a wall at any musical historical point in time, which would it be? God, well, briefly, I would, I, 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 very briefly, I would be there for the recording of uh, Tutti Frutti by Little Richard, because I think it's one mm. of the most incredible stories. That, that moment where Dorothy Lebostri was brought in to write the lyric and did it, supposedly, in 50 minutes, and they did the three takes, that completely transformative event I would love to have yes. witnessed. But go on, Dave, give us yours. Uh, my, mine's... Uh, Considerably less glorious, actually. I'm. I, I personal interest is. Uh, I think. I think that what what moves music on, what moves careers on, is it, very often tiny acts of what you might call betrayal. You know, the most significant moment in the Beatles' career is when they decide to get rid of Pete Best yeah. and they get Brian Epstein to do it. The most significant moment in the Rolling Stones' career is when Andrew Oldham says, "No, Ian Stewart cannot be in the band." Because his face literally doesn't fit, yeah. and there's uh, there's a, a case that fascinates me, and it concerns a record that I've got here actually, oh, yeah. which is Bruce Springsteen's "Born to Run," and uh, you know he'd been ages making this record, and uh, but he decided he knew what he wanted the cover to look like, so he he booked a, uh, a, a photo session with uh, with a photographer in New Jersey. And he didn't turn up on his own, and he didn't turn up with the rest of the band. He turned up with Charles Claremont. Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't tell the rest of the band. He was <laughs> Would you have liked to have witnessed their reaction? Is that what you're saying? I'd like to be there. No, on the day, because that showed he had what it takes to succeed, yeah. which is absolute ruthlessness with the people yeah. closest to him, which yeah. is to say... No, it's going to look like this. And I don't care if you other guys get your yeah. nose put out of joint. This is the bigger thing. And, you know, however many years later it is, nearly 50, that is the abiding image of Bruce Springsteen. Clarence Clemens is sadly no longer with us. But that is still the abiding image of Bruce Springsteen. And, uh, you know, and I think you find cases like that in the careers of every successful group where they just did something that yeah. most people would not have the balls to do. <laughs> yeah, 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 
because they're they're seeing a bigger picture, you know. And in a lot of cases, it doesn't work out, but in some cases, it does. So that's mine. It's less good. glorious than good. the literature. Very good. Uh, but uh, anyway, I'm well, sure loads of other... You both passed. Oh, right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, look. Pass the audition. Lovely to see you. <laughs> Lovely to see you. And have a, uh, you have a birthday week. Cheers. Thanks. This is a junction in the Word podcast. It separates that bit from this next bit. Alex, we have new patrons. We do. We do indeed. Shall I pipe them aboard, Alex? Please do, Dave. Uh, okay. And they are. Give us the roll of honour. Come on. Okay. Adam Berry. Very good. Welcome aboard. Sam Hollingsworth. Hello, Excellent. Sam. Thank you, Sam. You need a lot of puff with the bosun's whistle. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. Ray, Carry on. Ray, Ray Padstow. Good Ray work from Ray. Padstow. Hello, Ray. Thank you, Ray. Tony Boydell. Tony Boydell. Very nice to have Tony Boydell on board. Absolutely. absolutely. Peter Kirkham. Excellent, Peter. Thank you. Much appreciated. Michael Gamble. Michael Gamble, you're among friends. Put your coat in the bedroom. (laughs) We have... (laughs) <laughs> we have two annual patrons if you subscribe annually. Oh, course, well. Fifteen percent discount. Um, right. And they are Ian H. Rowley and Matthew Ian Trigg. H. Rowley. Very oh, good Matthew. to have them. Nice out, and nice they will get a, a birthday visit from us to uh, to go through their record. Oh, no, that's, that's, not, that's not a birthday patron. This is, though. Um, oh, sorry. Right, okay. That was the annual one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Carl Trosclair is a birthday Very good. patron. Carl, good oh. man. Okay, well, we'll be seeing him in due course uh, on the occasion of his birthday, which is probably next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are always genuinely uh, delighted to hear things from uh, from listeners, particularly of an informational nature, because, you know, it, everybody's experience is totally different. I, you know, I, I was talking last week about there's a Bill Evans album, Live at the Village Vanguard, recorded in 1961, where you can hear the audience chattering in the background. And I was saying how I quite liked this. And Charlie Connolly got in to say that this is, this actually, somebody wrote a poem about this, Mark, didn't they? I Back know, I've got it here, It's great. Go on. Shall I read it out? I'm pretty sure it says yeah, go it. on, go on. In the old joke, the marriage counsellor tells the couple who never talk anymore to go to a jazz club, but because this is a jazz club, everyone talks during the bass solo. But of course, <laughs> no one starts talking just because of a bass solo, or any other solo for that matter. The quieter bass solo just reveals that people in the club who've been talking all along, reveals the people in the club have been talking all along, the same ones you can hear on some well-known recordings. Bill Evans, for example, who is opening a door into the piano while some guy chats up his date at one of the little <laughs> tables at the back. I listened to that album so many times I can anticipate the moment of his drunken laugh as if it were a strange note in that tune. Uh, and he says, uh, yeah, and so, anonymous man, you've become part of my listening. Your romance, a romance lost in the past. And a reminder somehow that each member of that trio has died since then. And maybe so have you. And sadly, maybe she. It's really sweet, isn't it? It's, 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 it's really brilliant. Lovely. I tell you, it makes me think, there's two things. I guess I tweeted about this uh, the other day. And, and somebody said, oh, I've been listening to that record for 35 years and I hate that man. And I think, no, forget it. Just just enjoy that. That's part of a lost world. So you know, does the, Bill, can you the, hear Bill Evans reacting to this? You can. 
no, not no, not no. He just plays, and they're yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not particularly intrusive at all. It's just the interesting thing is they haven't mixed it out. They haven't taken it out. Yeah, yeah. It's just. It's just part of the kind of part of the ambience of the of the time. And uh, I tell you what, also, you know, they always say that the best canned laughter uh, was laughed in the nineteen fifties by audiences to the, the Lucy. Lum- it's the Lucy, Lucy show, show. Yes, yes. Uh, because the you know 1950s laughter had a different quality to it. Probably yeah. post post war laughter. You know, it's not sniggering. It's you know, it's barking with laughter. Yeah. And so they still use this stuff in canned laughter nowadays. So you know, if you're watching, I don't know. Oh, I certainly use it until not that long ago. So if you're watching an, an old episode of Friends. The laughter you are hearing in it's response to a joke by Chantel is pe- people laughing who are dead. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Years beforehand. Isn't it the same with the, what's the famous scream that you hear in horror films? There's oh, God. God, yes. That's going to, we're going to have to get. Heinrich scream. The will is called the Wilhelm scream. Wilhelm scream. That's it. The Wilhelm scream. And uh, go, on, yeah. go on, tell us more. I can't remember. Well, more. all go I on. remember is that is there was a movie, and I can't remember what it was, it was the 40s or 50s. It was generally considered to be the most blood curdling shriek by this, this girl actor. And, and everyone thought it was so convincing that they, they would sample it and use it in subsequent films because it Which was just it? the best scream imaginable. And that's basically what happened with music. People exactly. do the same thing with John Bonham, don't they? They do. That's the loudest drum sound ever recorded. I'll we'll just it. use we'll just use that one. We'll sample it forevermore. This podcast was brought to you by the word. Hey.